Hello and thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Damn Good Podcast, your one-stop shop for employee benefits and financial education in the hospitality industry, brought to you by Davidson Asset Management. I'm Alex Keddy, or AK55, your host and corporate benefit specialist, and each episode I'm joined by an expert from a different field within hospitality. From restaurants to catering, luxury hotel management to regional operations, we're asking the big questions to help you, our listeners, arm yourself with the knowledge about the three R's, recruitment, retention and reward, and how employee benefits play a part in that. Who knows, we might even have some fun along the way. Okay, hello listeners, and welcome along to another episode of the Damn Good Podcast. Today we're joined by the wonderful Lindsay Southwood, Group Director of Operations and People for Village Hotels. Hello, Lindsay. Hi, good morning. How are you? Good, thanks. Good. Um, Thanks for taking time out of your busy uh, schedule to join us. Uh, I know you cannot be in the studio today and are dialing in remotely. Uh, What lovely part of the UK are you currently in? Well, today I'm in Liverpool. Um, I was uh, I was born on the Wirral and have lived in Liverpool for the last 18 years. Um, but obviously, with my role, I tend to spend an awful lot of time uh, between our furthest hotel north, which is Aberdeen, and our most southern hotel, which is uh, Bournemouth, across the 33 hotels. So it's nice to be at home today, seeing as I do an awful lot of uh, travelling across the country. I can imagine. Um, I always think it's useful, Lindsay, to give our listeners some background on yourself, which I know you've just kindly done a wee bit there, but also on your career and perhaps how you ended up where you are now in the village. I don't know, would you be willing to share that with the listeners? Just a bit of just a potted history of uh, um, your background. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, don't quite know how I ended up in hospitality uh, and hotels. Uh, it was never the plan, that's for sure. Um, but uh you know, one of the, the best career decisions um, I think I've, I've made um, and made a lot of great decisions along the way in terms of the, the people that I've uh, been lucky enough to work for and, and with. Um, back in um, the very long time ago when I was at school and considering a career, um, I don't think anybody talked about hospitality as a career back in those days. It was either being a, a police uh, a policewoman or a vet or a doctor um, hospitality was not something that was talked about and certainly neither was uh, was human resources and I think back then it was called personnel and um, I actually wanted to be an actress and I studied at GCSE and I studied theatre studies and I actually got um, a job in a theatre school uh, teaching singing acting and dancing to, to, to young children aged between five and, and 18 um, uh, while I was kind of waiting for my big break, shall we say, uh, which unfortunately never came. Um, and I, um, I actually got an agent and I did um, have the opportunity to meet some great people and did some um, extra work, um, probably a, a few claims to fame along the way. Uh, I was Jack Duckworth's nurse in Coronation Street, for those who remember Jack Duckworth. And um, I did Emmerdale and, and Hollyoaks and a few other soaps. Um, and really, you know, really enjoyed it. But what it kind of taught me was that there was a huge people skill uh, that I'd learned through acting. And although waiting for that big break never, uh, never actually came, uh, it obviously helped kind of build me in terms of my values, personality and 
that I, I just really, really, really enjoy people. And um, my dad said to me one day, why don't you try um, personnel? Um, he was the director of finance uh, for Sefton Council in Liverpool. And I went for the job um, and I didn't get it. Uh, I thought I might, seen as my dad was a boss, but I didn't because um, I had no experience. And it was one of those uh, situations that really kind of helped me understand and something I've taken through my career, uh, certainly in HR and recruitment, is that um, sometimes you just need to give people a chance, even if they don't have the experience, but they have the attitude, the personality, uh, the, the desire and the drive to um, to really want um, a particular position or, or a career path. Um, and after a number of different kind of um, knockbacks, I ended up um, getting exactly that opportunity with um, the Crown Plaza Hotel in Liverpool. And the HR manager at the time said to me, um, I know you've got no experience, but I really like you. And that was kind of, as I say, the, the personality thing, which kind of stuck with me throughout my career. Um, that you can't teach personality, attitude and values. You can, you can teach them the skills um, and develop them in terms of their competence in different roles. But if you've, uh, if you've got the attitude and the personality, which is so, so important in a, a customer facing industry that we're in. Um, and it kind of grew from there. I was at the Crown Plaza in Liverpool for um, around five years. And then I joined Village for the first time um, in around 2004. And I worked my way through numerous positions in Village um, through HR, uh, HR manager, dual site HR, regional, um, and then through up into head of learning and development, which is the, the final position. And I then, at the time, Gary Davis, who was our CEO, he left um, Village to go and work for Malmaison and Hotel Devan as CEO. And he asked me to, to go to Village, uh, sorry, to go to Malmaison Hotel de Van. And I get them mixed up because I've been between the two for such a long time. Um, and I, um, I actually had one of those moments, to be honest, Alex, which was, um, am I ready for this? Am I ready to be the number one? Am I ready to be a HR director? And I think many people have that throughout their careers, kind of knowing whether uh, they have the self-belief um, to, to take that kind of leap of faith and that next step. Um, and, um, you know, as I strongly believe, uh, Gary believed in me, um, which made me believe in myself, which again is a, a, in this industry of recruitment, HR and people, it's so important to um, instill people with that, um, that self-belief um, and the value that they bring. Um, what you don't know, you, you'll learn is what Gary said to me. So I went to Malmaison and was HR director for Malmaison and then took over Hotel Divan as well. So looking after the 35 properties of Mal and HDB for around six years. And then KSL, who were our owners at Malmaison and Hotel Divan, sold the business to Fraser's Hospitality and had a great um, 18 months under um, Fraser's Hospitality. I had the opportunity to travel the world um, with Fraser's and Mal HDV and taking it into its next era, traveling to Singapore, Kuala Lumpur, Bangkok, to, to name a few places that we visited. And then KSL, after they'd sold Mal HDV, decided to buy Village and Gary was back at Village. And then you can guess what happened next. Gary asked me to go back to Village, um, which, you know, was, um, 
it, it has a real special place in my heart village. It's kind of, it's where I grew up. It's where I learned a lot about my trade in, in HR, but also uh, in people. And I've been back with village now for nearly three years. Um, and most latterly have not only still retained my, um, my role as director of HR and people, but I've also taken on um, another full-time job um, as uh, director of operations as well. Um, which has been for the last kind of six, six, eight months. Um, and the strategy there really has been that um, I think naturally there is a very clear synergy between people and operations. Um, the, the age old saying, I suppose, is that if you've got the right people in the right place, the rest should look after itself. Um, and people are, you know, the most valuable asset that deliver not only the financial performance of the business, but also deliver um, the, the brand experience and the customer experience. So um, that synergy um, has, has helped kind of bring the operations team and the, the whole HR and people strategy uh, really closely together to um, deliver um, even uh, more improved and efficient um, performance uh, of, the, of the business. And um, yeah, so that's kind of my, my potted history of HR and hospitality for the last 22 years. That's fabulous, Lindsay. I mean, I must admit, I've done a few of these podcasts now, and every time uh, I'm always amazed at some of the backgrounds of the individuals who have ended up in sort of where they are now. And obviously, the performing arts loss is hospitality's gain, may I add. And obviously, what you were saying about your the, the experiences of opportunity, um, perseverance, you know, these things are all things that, as you say, and certainly on the sort of people side of things, is so valuable in hospitality. And you, you, with that experience, you'll be able to certainly, I can see how HR has been a fantastic opportunity for you to develop and make sure that the staff, you know, the, the individuals see that coming through because that's one of our biggest challenges, I think, in hospitality now is the, the staffing shortage and skilling levels. So that's really um, fascinating to, to hear. I mean, absolutely amazing. And I guess when you look at it in terms of the, the overall years that you spent, even, even just doing that performing arts, um, it was something that you you learnt people, you know, your own skills and you found out your own inside your own sort of self as to what was important. So that was really, really interesting. So thank you for that. Um, moving on a wee bit, I just I was want to just bring it more towards the sort of operational side of things and, and questioning that. I mean, recently I read that there was a boutique hotel group in Cheshire, uh, you know, how we're looking to India for skilled chefs um, due to no home-based talent being available, apparently. That was an article I was reading. So it's obviously clear that recruitment challenges exist in the regions. What, what are the sort of staffing challenges that you, you face or, or are faced by a UK-wide hotelier operating within the sort of regional domains what would you say instead of you know obviously some hotels that are based at independence in london or such the regions what is there any sort of major challenges that you find in the regions on that front i wouldn't necessarily say that it's um region region specific to be honest alex i think it is across the board and, and interestingly that you say there about um chefs coming over from india i think Chefs has been um, a huge challenge, uh, not only on the back of um, back of COVID and uh, chefs leaving the industry, but also on the back of, of Brexit. And I think that the the agency culture and um, the kind of gigging culture, if you like, with agencies um, has really really pushed the bar in terms of the cost for for a business when it comes to chefs. 
Um, it's one of those skill sets, isn't it, with chefing that um, I could probably turn my hands to housekeeping or reception or bar. Um, and, you know, me and my husband have have our own business as well uh, with, with our business partners, which is a small 16 bedroom hotel, which um, I am very operationally involved in. But the one place that none of us can always jump into is the kitchen. And it's that skill set that um, really as an industry needs um, investment and focus to, to really bring um, chefs through. Um, I think for, for us, um, we certainly have taken the same approach um, in Village and have acquired a sponsorship license to bring chefs from, um, from abroad. Um, and we've had quite a lot of success so far that we've had 20, what, we've only had the sponsorship license for three weeks and we've had 21 um, applications um, come through. Um, the process obviously takes a lot longer um, and you're obviously investing time in a different type of recruitment process. But it really is changing your mindset at the moment to really look at the, the different recruitment avenues because of the challenges within, within the industry. And I think interestingly, when you compare talking about recruitment in a boutique environment to a, a regional environment and the volume of applications that you get and the way that you have to recruit has to hugely rely on technology. And um, I know from owning our own business, um, you can very much, you know, um, guarantee that you can read and view every application that comes through. And as a local business, the majority of the team member level positions, such as um, housekeeping, bar, restaurant and um, staff will normally walk through the door and they will normally ask if you have any jobs available. And, and I've certainly experienced that firsthand. Um, whereas, you know, in um, Village Newcastle, as an example, we could advertise for a bartender and get 400 applications. We could advertise for a chef and get three. So it's about very much understanding each of the regional areas and how um, you can work within the local network. So for us, that is sponsorship license. Um, we work very closely with colleges and catering schools um, for, for chefs. Um, and also building on the um, apprentice campaign. So um, going back to something I said, said earlier, um, if you don't have the skill and you don't have the um, competence to, to be a chef, but you have um, somebody walk through the door who has never done it before, but has really got a passion for cooking and wants to learn to be a chef, we're halfway there already. We can teach them the skills and we can invest the time to induct them and help them understand all of the elements of working in a kitchen alongside not only cooking and preparation, but also around food safety and, and cost management. And I think that passion and desire is something that we have to nurture because they are the, the skilled workforce for hotels isn't what it used to be. And we know the number of vacancies that are out there and we know the number of people um, within the industry um, has completely diminished. So I think for us, it's about taking a different mindset and really looking at if somebody wants to work for you, if they have a passion for the industry and they have a passion for your brand and they have the personality and attitude, we can teach them the, the rest of that. And I think that's where we find that at the moment, changing that approach uh, really helps kind of drive the um, employee engagement and retention because you've got somebody already committed to want to learn and want to work in your industry, as opposed to somebody who may be attracted down the road by another pound an hour 
um, which is obviously another battle at the moment in terms of um, the, the, the pay. Uh, cost of living crisis and um, increasing um, demand for employers to pay more to obviously kind of steal from the competition, which I think we're all doing at the moment. Uh, that's exactly the, the the other things that I come across is that key point about saying, well, is it a race to the bottom if people keep raising the, the prices? And that's one of the questions I'll, I'll be coming on to. But I mean, I, I've got to say, um, I was actually down at a couple of your hotels just uh, in Wales there. And it's obviously working because even in your hotels, you've got a lot of down in Swansea and Cardiff, a lot of people, local um, individuals working there. And I always find uh, originally from Scotland that, you know, when I go back to Scotland and stay in a hotel in Scotland, I do find that there's an awful lot of, dare I say, homegrown sort of Scottish people working there, whereas I don't always see that where I'm now based in London. It seems to be a different sort of uh, demographics as such. But it's great to see that locality is so important. I mean, I suppose some of the challenges when you're looking at things like um, benefits and things like that um, is things if you're living in the regions is the housing crisis you know people not being able to get perhaps afford a, a, a rent or um, a flat or even a house so I suppose some re some regional hotels maybe are able to offer accommodation as part of their benefits which I suppose is valuable to to some staff is that fair to say or yeah and I think probably as you say Alex with um, independence and where there is the availability and um, we are able to do that and we certainly do that when we're working with chefs from abroad and um, being able to support them with accommodation while they get into a more stable um, accommodation position. Um, but I think, you know, touching on your kind of you know, comment there about um, kind of benefits and um, a recent um, study that I was reading that came from Harry, who is our um, application uh, tracking system, our, our ATS for recruitment. Uh, working with them, we looked at actually what is it that people are looking for when they are applying for jobs um, in the industry. And it really interestingly, um, that article was telling us that actually around 49% of, of people consider work-life balance and 37% consider the benefits um, that go with employment. And then coupling that with an article I read, a CIPD article, um, was talking about the fact that actually salary and the actual rate of pay is considered equally um, to working from home and that work, that flexible working piece. So I think what it what it strikes is that it's um, the, the added benefit, not only the rate of pay, but there are all these added benefits now that because of the way that society and culture has changed, not only the recruitment market, but actually how people make their decisions, not only about where they stay and where they spend the money, but where they want to work is it's much wider than just that base rate of pay. And, and I absolutely agree, you know, as 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 I'm sure we'll come on to that, pushing that base rate up um, continually um, does put pressure on. But, uh, you know, hospitality is a widely valued industry because everybody needs hospitality and we need people to work in the industry. So as well as paying the, a good rate of pay that is uh, valued by the employee, for me, it's very much about the added benefit that goes with that. So when we look at working from home and work-life balance, our well-being programme in Village is really important to be able to give that added benefit to our employees so whether that is, um, you know, we have mental health first aiders in every, um, every one of our hotels and we aim to have another 20 trained by next year so that we have 45 
in every uh, across across the country. We have a wellbeing hub which provides uh, an employee assist program. It also provides um, help and guidance through blogs and um, reports and magazines and books to read um, and actual advice around mind, body and soul, as well as, you know, working with yourselves on financial well-being and helping people understand how they can um, manage in the current in the current climate. But then there's also the other benefits that we look at. Um, you know, we're really lucky in Village that we have state of the art health and fitness clubs. So to offer to our employees um, two full memberships, one for themselves and one for a friend or family. If you think about the cost of a leisure club uh, membership at, you know, a David Lloyd or, or another big chain, actually being able to give our employees a membership equivalent to something that they would go and buy on the high street is a real added, you know, great benefit. And not only is it a great benefit um, from a cost perspective, uh, it also adds huge value to ensure that our, you know, we are putting the well-being and um, of both, you know, health and body and mind um, at the forefront for, for our employees, um, along with, you know, high street discounts that can help them obviously say, save money. And a big thing for us, Alex, that's really, um, we've really worked hard on this year um, in terms of benefit is um, putting added value into an instant reward programme. Um, and really um, incentivizing our employees. So we introduced an incentive toolkit and the incentive toolkit um, was aimed to not only reward employees, but obviously to drive business performance. Um, and that's where you know, everybody, everybody's happy. The, the incentive toolkit aims to give employees a sense of value and a sense of purpose. It gives them a drive and a target um, in every department across the business that then allows them to achieve uh, points. And these points are then translated um, onto a reward platform where they can then build up their points and draw down uh, their points against prizes, such as, you know, they could save up their points to get um, a laptop or a phone or garden furniture or a new washing machine. Uh, they can just, you know, pick from a, a catalog. Um, and that's um, that works in conjunction with our overall rewards uh, platform. So our employees have, have a hub and they can go to one place and they can see all of the benefits that they get being part of being part of Village. But I think that there's all of those kind of very uh, tangible and material benefits that we give to employees. But I think that um, adding to the kind of growth and development and work-life balance and what it's like to work somewhere, there is still a very strong sense for people that being part of something matters. So being part of a family, being part of a culture, feeling valued and feeling important. So, you know, the simple kind of thank yous and, and praise and recognition. But what I think works really well in those environments is to make people feel part of something that's fun. Um, we spend a lot of time um, with um, national celebration days, whether it's, you know, National Fish and Chip Day, whether it's uh, World Mental Health Day, whether it is National Relaxation Day, whether it's um, Wear It Pink um, to, um, to raise money for charity for the likes of uh, breast cancer. We put loads of time into creating activities that our employees can get involved in that benefit them 
so that they feel motivated, engaged and work as part of a team. But we also put lots of energy into those activities that still make them feel like that, but also deliver um, a opportunity to work with the local community, to raise money for charity, um, to really focus on kind of mental health and, and well-being. So I think, you know, benefits is a really, really broad, a really, really broad topic. Um, and, you know, in, in a business of our size, it's, it's understanding that you've got to have such a broad range of benefits that are physical and, and um, tangible, but also that are the, um, the behavioral benefits that actually are around the culture that you create, because you have so many different people they all have different circumstances, they all have different needs, and they all come to work for different reasons. So our range of benefits and our platform has to be very uh, holistic, and it has to be able to meet everybody's needs. And I think that's where, as employers in hospitality, is focusing on not just the rate of pay, but really bringing in all of those peripheral surrounding benefits to really help drive um, the um the sense of belonging to to a brand and really helps engage them in that moving forward uh that's very uh great insight there Lindsay. thank you for that and i mean i must admit when i've been at your hotels and i've seen um the thing is for the community side you also give discounts for the emergency services and that for their sort of gym packages and that which i think is terrific and i hadn't really thought actually when you think um the, the village has got all those sort of gym and swimming pools and that and of course for their employees that's obviously very important for not just their health but their mental well-being being able to access that with their family I guess uh, is, a, is a great opportunity to offer those benefits it's interesting you mentioned financial um, well-being as well because I think that is something that I've certainly come across quite a lot uh, where individuals have said to us you know and as you mentioned the community hub where they've said well you know financial well-being especially in the current economic climate we're going through that, you know, eventually if people get themselves into debt, how do they get out of it or how do they get support to get through that issue? Because ultimately finance and financial debt can lead to, you know, sleep, de sleep deprivation, people really worried and stressed about them getting themselves into sort of financial debt. And how can we resolve that before it becomes a mental issue? So all the things that you are uh, talking about and um, are so important to make sure that you're looking after and doing your duty to look after your employees, but also give a sort of much more sort of holistic approach to the the wealth welfare of your employees. It's actually one of the questions that I was going to lead to, which kind of nicely leads on to it. I mean, one of the questions I had was, how do operators, you know, compete with the likes of news? Because I was reading again that Pret are going to increase their salaries for the second time this year, taking the increase of their salaries to around about 13%. And they claim that their baristas are being um, some of the best paid in the industry. So obviously we will, you know, applaud salary increases, um, especially in a, you know in, a, in an industry that can be perceived sometimes as a low paid sector. But and, and obviously employers, as you've just said, want to ensure that they offer the best terms and conditions for their benefits for their employees. But ultimately there will be a cost for this. And is it the customer that will have to pay? I mean, will, will I going in for my cup of tea, my cup of coffee or tea? The price of the cup of coffee will have to go up, or do you think there's more? Do employers actually have slightly more, in inverted commas, profits that maybe maybe not the right word to be using at this current climate, but sloshing around that can be used to make these sort of additional um, additional benefits, or are are things really that tight just now? And especially when you look at the energy costs that are going to come through all your hotels, you know that's going to be a big um, increase in cost, I guess, for budgeting. But it's it's just what you mentioned about if everyone's going to keep putting the prices up for 
the salary, their per hour rates, where do they actually, how do we get individuals to sort of understand their benefits that are offered as a package, but also value them? Because as you say, Village offer a fantastic range of um, benefits and, it, and, and that goes with a lot of hotels and other uh, restaurant chains that we, we work with. How do we get the employees to actually value them um, to say, look, it's not just about the fact that, yes, I get um, a slightly higher hourly rate. It's trying to get that message across to your valued employees so that the retention side comes through. Is, is that something that you see as a key retention aspect? Yeah, absolutely, Alex. I think the one of the main things here all the time is all about communication. Um, you know, we, you can have the most benefits in the world you can have the best policies and procedures and but it's no good if it's just written on a piece of paper so i do think it's about culture and communication and it's how you get that out there in the industry and like you say i've seen i've seen many articles as well of uh, going to press which have had mixed kind of mixed feedback i saw um, a number for i think it was hand-picked hotels had also um increased the the, the base rates of pay um we I think many many employers um, are continuing to do that. Um, it's not necessarily press worthy or gone to gone to press because it's actually just about as a, as a business recognizing your employees. Um, and it might not be a news story or need to be a news story, but it's recognizing the work that that they do in um, in hospitality and paying them a rate of pay that is a rate that they feel is a valued rate for the role that they do and within the uh, in in the brand and within the environment and next to you know the people that they work with um but i think it, it does come back to communication and how we get out there in the um in the industry before people are making their decisions about where they want to work so for me the stories that need to go out there aren't necessarily the stories about how much we pay our employees. Um, and we we need to be talking about actually what it's like to work somewhere, because actually the cost of living crisis that we're seeing now has all of those impacts that you've just talked about um, financially and then how can it, it can affect an employee's kind of health and well-being. And actually being part of a business, being part of a brand that gives you security, that gives you support, that can help you through those difficult times um, because not only it can give you all of the benefits we've talked about um, in terms of financial advice, we offer a, um, a salary finance function where they can draw down their wages on a weekly basis rather than wait until payday. We have a loan system. We obviously, as you've said, work with the community hub um, to give them financial advice, pension reviews, et cetera. So, being part of a business and seeing that actually that brand is going to give you more than just a rate of pay. It's going to become a way of life and part of your um, part of your DNA. So I think it's highlighting that the support that those people need when they feel vulnerable, when they feel um, nervous and, and anxious about the current situation, that actually promoting a positive culture and being an employer of choice because of all of the support and network that you can give to an employee is uh, just comes back to communicating it. So getting it into our recruitment adverts, getting it into our LinkedIn and our Facebook and our Instagram stories to really show what a great place it is to work through uh, those different stories. Um, I've seen some great stories recently um, of um staff awards 
and there was an award for one of our employees in Edinburgh and it was a really nice story and he posted it himself on LinkedIn and his story was about receiving a non-monetary award and they were the words that he'd used and when I was reading the the uh, the post that he'd done it was the fact that he felt so proud that A, he'd always wanted to aspire to be like his father, who was um, a colonel in the army. And he wanted to aspire to be like his father because his father was so respected. And his post on LinkedIn said that he'd achieved his goal because the award that he'd received was from the people. And it was from the people that he worked with. And he felt so proud that the people he worked with valued what he did and that they liked him. And it really sold kind of, you know, just summing up what we're talking about, that that's what it meant to him. It wasn't about money. It was a certificate and it was a little trophy. And um, that was it. It was enough for him to feel really valued and part of something. So pay is really important. But I think those kind of stories being out there from employers will really help people see that actually what we need after the two, you know, nearly three years now that we've been through, um, with COVID and how we've come out of it as an industry is actually just to, to come together to know that actually having each other's back and being yourself, uh, being as an employer, showing humility and showing vulnerability and um, being transparent, um, I think can really demonstrate the strength that a brand can bring to create um, a real sense of family for our employees. That is such a powerful uh, message just that story you've um, alluded to amazing I mean in terms of just thinking that you also alluded to it before when you said that you know sometimes people just want a thank you you know you know just even just to be able to be recognized by your the, the peers within your your group sector can be such an important aspect for just that sort of feeling of being belonging to uh, to the brand value I mean that's a that's a terrific story and, and really resonates I imagine with uh, a number of individuals out there, our listeners, hopefully. Um, I mean, one of the parts I was going to come to, and I know we've sort of um, just made the conversations gone, I was actually going to ask, does operating regionally sort of give an advantage in tackling some of the staffing crisis by allowing you to move staff around um, to certain areas? You know, if you're experiencing perhaps a slowdown in one part of the area, maybe there's an increase in trade in the others. And it was actually... Just a couple, just the last week when I was thinking about it, that um, with Liverpool securing the Eurovision Song Contest, I imagine the demand. I hear that there's just no hotels available now, um, and that will be a really high demand part of the piece. And I suppose maybe a regional hotel group has the advantage of being able to move people from other parts of the hotel. Is, is that something that sort of the, the, the village can utilise? Do they use that sort of uh, approach? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we work in regions anyway, so we have uh, regional directors who look after five or six hotels each um, and they create that network between their hotels. So we have seen fantastic support from um, from our chefs within the last 18 months where within the regions, you know, these chefs from Edinburgh will be working in Glasgow. And then when Glasgow gets sorted, then they go and help Edinburgh or Newcastle or Hull. So working in those regional hubs, uh, not only for chefs, but other areas, um, does give us uh, an advantage to be able to pool staff between them. Um, But again, you know, as I said before, everyone has their own um, circumstances and needs. And 
you know, being away from home and not being able to have the same kind of structure and routine on a daily basis um, can be a challenge in a, in a longer term. So I think it helps us in a, a short term solution um, where we have a big piece of business coming to a hotel um, such as Eurovision, like you've talked about, or like when we had COP26 up in uh, up in Scotland, uh, we're able to kind of um, unite the forces, if you like, and bring people together um, to help with those really kind of busy times um, because of the pressure on recruitment. Um, but it is only kind of used on that basis, on a, on a short-term basis. But we do then have quite a lot of regional roles who do float around the country um, that like that, um, and that, that kind of role is easier to recruit in the current climate because it gives you a lot of flexibility, a lot of opportunity uh, for working from home as well as um, good work-life balance because they're able to start early and finish early or work later in the evening and kind of manage their hours uh, to meet the business demands. Um, so I think it has its advantages, uh, definitely working in regions and it really does help to build the team morale uh, that people go across hotels. And it also helps drive consistency um, because you see and feel and hear different things as you travel around different hotels, which I certainly experienced, to just really help drive not only consistency, but also get new ideas and get kind of fresh thinking from different employees who go to a hotel and say, I've seen in uh, Edinburgh that they do this, but when I've gone back to Leeds, why don't we do it like this? So it helps to kind of, you know, keep us on our toes, keep evolving um, individually as hotels in their local market, but also evolving as a brand. Which must be great for sharing ideas for being with your other hat of operational director. You know, it must be really important to see them sharing ideas and, and using that initiative, which is in, encouraging to hear. Another area that I just wanted to briefly touch on, I mean, has Village sort of considered or are they tapping into the sort of older generation? I mean, I keep hearing that there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of, uh, I, I know you can't be ageist, but there's a lot of retired or semi-retired workforce out there who are very, you know, skilled of dealing with people and uh, have got good people skills themselves who have perhaps retired and maybe never been in hospitality, um, but are perhaps wanting to come back into the workforce for just even two or three days a week or something. Um, is that something that has been muted in, in, in your organisation or is it something that uh, you, you prefer just to have always full-time employees sort of thing? I, I think that's the great thing about hospitality is that we have um, the opportunity to, uh, and we appeal to so many different people because there is so many different shift patterns. It's a 24-7 business. Um, so we're able to um, be really flexible. We have um, a real a real split between uh, full-time employees and then um, kind of part-time and more casual employees um, because I think, I think it fits. And we recruit off um, the back of an awful lot of different mediums. Uh, we advertise on um, Facebook groups and um, specific sites, for example, which are targeted about uh, to, to returning um, mums from maternity leave. So knowing that there are obviously certain requirements and certain needs and also needs and wants and to be able to get back to work, but also to manage uh, family life. So being able to offer hours that fit around nursery and school times 
um, in different departments in the hotels. So where there are specific kind of groups um, or affiliations of, of different types of people, it really um, is about targeting different, different mediums to attract as many different people um, and to attract as, as many um, females, particularly returning to work, as well as just creating a really diverse um, employee population and culture within village. So we, um, we have a really wide range. I mean, we have a great length of service as well. And that, you know, will tell you um, that, you know, I think the longest serving employee in village is 35, 35 years. Um, and, you know, that tells me a lot about the culture that we create, but also, you know, knowing that some people who started 30 years ago are now kind of uh, heading towards their mid mid sixties um, within village. Um, so, you know, for us, um, I think it's, as we, as I said earlier, it's about the right people, uh, right people for the business and that people have a passion. So regardless whether they are 16 or 75, you know, if they have the desire and the want and there is um, a job that fits them, um, then absolutely. I think that you, uh, you have to be uh, looking at every, uh, every avenue for employees. And, and to be fair, we always have as well. Yeah. Well, you're a very good advocate for the passion. It's coming through loud and clear, for, which is terrific. Um, finally, I just wanted to, I know we've already, you mentioned it um, about your uh, your own establishment and feel free to give it a plug. But just for the sake of balance, there are other venues available. But if you want to give yourself a little plug there, Lindsay, you know, you talk about that, um, you know, your family run sort of establishment. Um, how do you, it must be difficult to compete when you are, I mean, with your other hat of the village side and the, the sort of resources they've got. For you to be able to, uh, and I've, I've got to, with all um, hand on heart, I'm not sure if it's a, um, a, little, a, a sort of boutique hotel that you operate or if it's a restaurant. I haven't done my research, so apologies for that. But ultimately, how do you re recruit and retain staff? Is it is it sort of friends and family that you use in your own establishment? Uh, no, it's it's very much the local community and um, everybody who works for us. So the hotel um, is a 16-bedroomed hotel with... Mm. A traditional pub, um, a gin and cocktail bar, uh, a 40-seater restaurant, and wow. then um, large gardens at the rear. Um, and it's um, it's called the Kirkfield Hotel, uh, which is in Newton the Willows. But it has a very local and regular um, following. Um, so whilst it is a hotel, we um, have a, a really high percentage of our trade comes through transient food and food and beverage. So. The local community um, and they are very very supportive um, and have been throughout the challenges of the last two years um, but from a recruitment perspective it's exactly the same it's a very very local uh, community so everybody who works for us pretty much lives in newton um, so i think again being a small and independent business um, the the culture that's created there very much driven by my husband and our on our hotel manager Holly and myself um, is about being present and being there. So people mm -hmm. see yeah. you as the face of the business and you create that energy and that environment by being there and being with the people. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say that most of the people who work for us have come in for a drink or come for something to eat with their family. And then they like it. They see the energy, they see um, the employees how they work but also that how much fun they have at work which again is you know for, for me is definitely driven through leadership um so most of them you know as an example i i know there's a young girl who came in 
she was 15 and her mum was going, go on, ask her, ask her. <laughs> um, as I was going over to the table and she asked me if she could get a job. And uh, we said, when, you, when you're old enough, yes, you can. Um, and, you know, she started work um, when she was 16 and she's just turned 18. And, you know, she... She she rings and says, if there's any extra shifts, can I come in? Because I'm I'm bored. Oh. Um, because it's it becomes like a family. So I think you know you you have the opportunity locally. You can um, really create, and it's the same in in village. Don't get me wrong. It's in a big business and in a small business. It's about local community. If you're out in the local community and you network and you you know people and you create. Um, an environment and a culture that people talk about most of our employees not only come from that um avenue that i just talked about but it's also then my friend wants a job so that recommend a friend scheme you know we have one in village and we also have one at the kirkfield but it's telling it tells you that like-minded people will want to work there and you know we all you like people like yourselves and they recommend their friends and they enjoy working together because they enjoy socializing together and then it really does create a, a really strong bond uh, in terms of the family feel but also just uh, working as a team because they don't want to let each other let each other down so we, we're really lucky and um, we've had um great success uh with the employees that that we have locally um but i think the challenge is exactly the same uh, financial challenges on a small business are probably even more prevalent than larger businesses, um, which, uh, you know, it definitely is a focus for us with the cost of living and, and energy increases. But it's just, you know, working smarter, working harder and um, uh, looking at how we can be efficient and but always never, never, ever compromising the um, employees and never compromising the guest experience uh, to make sure that, you know, you're reputation is that people want to come because of the great experience they have the people that they meet and that they'll come back and that they'll recommend us to to friends so i think it's i think it's a balance the the challenges are, are very similar um but we have the opportunity to have a real local impact when it comes to uh, recruitment uh, absolutely i mean it's great to hear that um you know word of mouth is so important and building that culture within your organization, both yourself and also um, at the village. And I suppose you mentioned the building experience for the actual staff or employees, which is absolutely crucial, because ultimately when we go to hospitality um, venues, we want to, you want to give us the best customer experience. So it's great to hear that you're also putting that into your staff, which is absolutely key. So basically, well, thank you very much, Lindsay, for both your time, but for these marvellous insights and uh, sharing those insights into your your own organisation. So basically, uh, listeners, thanks for listening to another episode of the Damn Good Podcast. Um, and we'll be seeing you. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Damn Good Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. It really does help us reach more ears. You can follow us on LinkedIn on Damn Good Finance or visit our website at www.damngoodpensions.com. If you'd like us to put a question to one of our esteemed guests, please do not hesitate to get in touch. Until the next time, here's to your tomorrow. Thank you.